very exciting. So welcome everyone. This is my first podcast. I'm Husna Pasha and I am with the Happychondriac. The Happychondriac Society is a um, initiative that I created to raise mental health awareness and to really start to talk about the conversation around mental health so that we can break the stigma and get people really feeling comfortable that mental health is something that affects all of us um, and it's time to normalise the conversation. So welcome today. I'm really excited to have Kat with me. Kat is our very, very first interviewee. Kat, welcome to the Happy Chondriac podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, um, being the first on our show, it's going to be a bit of hit and miss. Let's see how I go. I'm not worried about you. I'm more worried about how I'm going to go on my first show. Um, but, you know, these conversations, I want to try and keep them as lighthearted as we can, even though the conversations are very real and very serious. But the mm. only way we're going to help people uh, break the barrier around this conversation is to be able to walk comfortably in this conversation. So I hope this is a safe space for you. Thank you for wanting to share. Um, today we're going to be talking um, with Kat specifically around uh, what she's been through in her life and her journey uh, and especially around domestic violence and domestic vi violence that looks a little bit different I would say. It's not the typical standard story you've heard. And I think that these are the most important conversations to listen to. Um, Kat, I'd love you to share a little bit about your history, uh, what's happened, and, and sort of start from the beginning. Oh, yes. So it is um, It's a story that uh, goes over two relationships, unfortunately, that were right after each other. Um, and I suppose... Oh, it's 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 tough to know how it happens because it happens so quietly, so slowly, and over time, um, you get roped into sort of um, being with these people. Um, and so, I suppose I was an underconfident twenty-one year old when I met my first partner. Um, and, you know, everything was wonderful at first, of course, but then a few things started happening where he wasn't pleased with certain things and he would react very strongly. And I thought, oh, no, that, that's okay. That's okay. We can work through this. That's fine. That's fine. And because I think I play more of the role of a, of a peacemaker, that, that is my sort of nature. I don't really like to rock the boat, which is a blessing, but in this situation it's also... A bit of a curse, especially when you are a naive young woman. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. And so we're talking about verbal. So we're starting. We're talking here about verbal abuse. Yeah. yeah? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose it started out more as control, uh, coercive control, um, and you know, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you meeting up with friends? You know, you don't spend enough time with me that sort of thing you know so it's it's you know I'm looking back on it now it's like oh god major red flag um but then you're yeah. like oh, no, 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 no. like you know everything's fine because you do have wonderful moments of course you do but the behavior grows as they get more control over you it grows and it would escalate into like everything you know it would just become an argument over trivial things such as like I left my shoes over there I didn't put the toothpaste uh, cap back on that sort of thing um, wow. 
yeah, ri- ridiculous things. Um, Could you see it coming or w- would it take you by surprise? It would take me by surprise. You would never know when it's coming. And I think that's the thing. And that's how they sort of, I don't know, if they consciously do it. Maybe some men do. And so it would just, it, it's, it's funny to talk about it now because, you know, there were so many events that happened and I only remember like the really, significant ones and even then they're blurred out and I think that's what drama does to you you sort of you you blur out the you you, yeah you just you just can't sort of I think you don't want to remember it but I do remember you know arguments over stupid things and it would escalate into him say cornering me in the room and punching holes in the walls around me um uh he would grab a knife from the kitchen and hold it to his wrists and say, I'm going to kill myself and you made me do this. Um, Gosh, so for, that's really – so it wasn't as much a threat to you with the knife. It was no. It was control over don't leave yep. me because this could happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and in a way, oh. like I never really sort of fully believed him, but it's a terrifying moment to witness that in that – when it's happening. I never believed him, but it, it it was scary. It was very scary. Um, and it would go through waves, though. That's the thing as well. And I think it's often documented that domestic violence does go in a cycle. You know, it goes in a cycle where everything's, like, calm, peaceful for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then, it, then the episode happens and then there's a reconciliation where they're like, I'm so sorry, I won't do this again. <laughs> This is exactly what happened. It, it's just, it's just so familiar. It's such a stereotype. And then all this, like, and then you forgive, and then it just goes back again. So calm, abuse, reconciliation, and and around and around. Like it was, um, yeah. It sounds like a, like almost like a habit or an addiction where, you know, it sounds mm-hmm. like he wanted to stop, but he didn't know how to. Did you no. ever explore? You know, we talk a lot about domestic violence, and you know what. The perpetrator has been through themselves, mm. not that they're excuses, but it makes yeah. it or it helps us sort of build a story as to why they get to where they get to for them to start taking it out on another human or another female. What was his backstory? Um, well, I mean, I never knew it at the time. It was only later when uh, he got a girlfriend after I had left him. And they were together for a few years. And after they broke up, she contacted me through Facebook to meet up, which I thought was, oh, God, like, this is intense. Like, <laughs> But she wanted to meet up as a healing process for her because she wanted to know if what she had been through was the same as what I had been through. And so it was a very powerful, powerful thing to meet up with her and discuss our experiences with this man. Um, and she told me that he had had sexual abuse when he was a child, which oh, wow. made sense for me. And I really feel for him. I really do. It's a horrible thing to go through. However, it just doesn't excuse the way that you treat people. I completely understand how trauma can make you do terrible things sometimes. I've done it. I've, you know you know, substance abuse or just, you know, acting out or not being able to control my emotions because of the abuse that I've suffered. I get it. 
but I've actively tried not to um, inflict pain on other people, which is what he's done. Um, and it sounds she, like to me, Kat, that, that some of the things you're mm. talking about there, substance abuse and, you know, poor behaviour from time to time, mm. that seems a little bit more self-destructive or infli inflicting harm almost on yourself where, Absolutely, you know, the, yeah. the, the role of a perpetrator in domestic violence is that they take it out on, on another person. They're taking it out well, on that's you. It. Yeah, I've, yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. It would be it would be easy, I suppose, to take it out on somebody. I can see that because to in order to get some control or to feel sort of validated or to feel powerful, you know, it's an easy thing to do that, I think. It's a harder thing to look inwards and to try and overcome what you have experienced. It's really hard. And so I get that, you know, it, it's yeah, it's a huge challenge and if the support networks aren't there, it's even more of a challenge. Um, and so so when did it sort of – so sorry, Kat, I cut you off. No, no. When, when <laughs> did, so with this with this guy, how long into the yeah. relationship did did the abuse start? Oh, maybe two or three months in. You know, oh, well. it was um, it was that sort of controlling behaviour. I was like, oh, why do you do this? Or, you know, it just, um, it was more sort of, yeah, it was more motivated around actions, that sort of thing, you know, like I don't like the way that you're doing this. And it wasn't as explicitly said as that, um, but it was him always reacting strongly to something and me playing peacemaker. And so then that validates him and it just, in a way it escalates his behavior over time because you're letting I was letting him know that it was okay in order, like in a way to treat me like this and of course it, it, it's funny you can look back on it and break it down now but when you're in that time in that moment you don't see it that way you just of see course. it as a blip and oh no everything will be fine everything will be fine well, you don't realise that you're you're <laughs> enabling the behaviour. When you're a victim of domestic violence, no. how could you ever possibly think that you would be enabling the behaviour when you're right in the midst no. of it and you're in fear and in and you're going through Absolutely. trauma and grief? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And you start sort of distancing from your core values. You you sort of you become so afraid that you you just you it your world does become about them I remember once saying to my sister oh you know this relationship isn't about me <laughs> it's about making sure he's okay and she just I think she just looked at me and thought what the f is going on here oh my God, yes. um yeah and it was uh yeah that that's essentially what happened but it yeah it's it happens slowly it happens over time that's all I can say it there's it's very easy for people to say, why don't you just leave? But it's it's not as easy as that. It really isn't. And, you know, I needed a lot of support. And the only thing that sort of helped me leave was he had distanced me from my family. He had alienated me from my family. Yeah. Um, which was incredibly painful for me. But by that stage, I had really sort of lost my sense of self. I really had. But the other thing was the thing that got me out was, well, I, I hated being distanced from my family. So I had no support network, which is essentially their goal. You know, they don't want you to have a support network. And then um, 
I saw a psychologist and she said, you need to go away and, you know, uh, just have a think about if you want to be in this relationship or not. She knew exactly what was going on, I think. And that was the best, best advice. Um, and the and other that's thing... interesting that you're saying that, Kat. Let, let's just quickly talk about that. So yeah. when you say people find it um, really hard to understand, well, why don't you just leave? And for some women it is, well, I have children and I don't have the financial mm -hmm. backing. For some it's yeah. I'm in fear that he will find me. Um, mm. But in your case, and you're saying it's not easy to understand. So in your case, it wasn't kids. It wasn't the financial mm. backing and I don't have the money to leave. It wasn't even that we didn't have the social network. So talk to me about the psychology mm. of that inability yeah. to be able to walk away because that will help a lot of yeah. people that are in your situation understand the difficulty yeah. and then the bravery that, that you do find eventually mm. to be able to leave. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's exactly it. I mean, we didn't have kids. I'm so thankful we didn't because I remember thinking, oh, God, he wants to have children with me. I can't bring a child into this, into this relationship. Like the child will be significantly damaged. And I was thinking about a hypothetical child over mm -hmm. myself, which is that's really not right. <laughs> if you're... Think of yourself as number one. I think um, basically he had diminished my sense of self to such a point where I didn't even know what to do. How could I make a decision? I can't, like, he's making decisions for me in a lot of aspects of our life. Um, so there's, there's a brainwashing, there's a brainwashing yeah, program that's going on. Absolutely. It's a bit of a, like a Stockholm syndrome, if you like. <laughs> like, you just yeah. sort of. Um, I just didn't know which way to turn. Like, I just didn't. I think perhaps for me there was a, feel of fa a fear of failure mm. of a relationship. That was, I remember that being a factor um, and feeling like a failure myself for, yeah, just allowing this to happen to me. I don't know. And I, I think I was just floating along. I don't. I think that's incredible insight. Yeah. I think sometimes we do things in life, we don't always know why, but there's an underlying yeah. issue for everything or there's an underlying yeah. reason that the, we we personally behave or put up with behaviours um, and it mm. can come down to our own self-worth. It can come to our own mm -hmm. backstory. It can come down yeah. to just simply the love we might have for somebody, um, yeah. the kindness that 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 you you have for somebody else, and the compassion and empathy. All of these things play a part mm -hmm. in decision making. So mm -hmm. it's interesting to see you be able to look back now and say, "Well, there was something about me in this too." Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose in some ways I was afraid. I was afraid of him. Um, I was, more, and I was afraid of what he would do to himself. I was afraid he would hurt himself because he had threatened that. So there were a few things that I was afraid of, and it all becomes just one big jumbled mess of fear and disassociation, and you just you're not existing as a person. You're a shell. So how can you be asked to? Like just leave because you don't know which way's up. You you know. <laughs> the uncertainty is so scary. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. it's better off the devil you know. Exactly. Yeah. How long were you mm. with him for? 
about two years. So you were together for two yeah. years. Yeah. And when you look back, was it two years of absolute hell? Were there the good times that mm-hmm. that continued sustaining the brainwashing because there were times where things were mm. okay and stable? Yeah, absolutely. Like there were times that were good, um, but it was escalating. It really was escalating. Um because it would become more frequent and the arguments would become more severe with a more severe reaction. And I have I have little doubt that he might have started physically hurting me if I hadn't stayed. Like he he really I think he would have gone there. But what you're um, saying is he actually never went there. So, and this is such an important conversation for women out yeah. there or for anyone that has suffered domestic mm. violence, is it doesn't require physical aggression yeah no it doesn't require physical aggression and I think um it's in a way more insidious if it's um just mental because it's harder to pin down you can't pin down a certain event and that's when um you know the gaslighting happens oh how come you saw it that way oh no I didn't say that (laughs) it's so easy to just further manipulate when it's just mental it's it's much like yeah it's much easier whereas it's more clear cut I feel like it would have been more clear cut for me um had he just say hit me and then I would have been like oh that's not okay I'm going now like that would have been a snap for me um yeah in a way in that particular relationship so when did you start to open up Kat to your family and to your friends when did at what point in this relationship did you start to say I need to talk to someone um probably so he had alienated me from my family they knew what was going on and they tried to intervene which was not a good idea they didn't go about it the right way unfortunately my my parents and mum took so much time off work she took like almost a month off work I think or something because she just she was terrified for me and that really upsets me um I can't imagine now that I'm a mother oh I can't imagine if my little boy suffered something like that yeah um and not being able to contact him or help him but I don't know she tells me now she always knew that I would come back and and I did I remember after I'd spoken to the psychologist who told me to just take a weekend away um I remember taking that weekend away and then I rang mum and I said, I'm going to leave him and, you know. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was just, they were there, they were present. I had friends come over with other men. <laughs> so, you know, I had a group of men around me taking oh, gosh. all of my things out. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, That's a test. Um, That's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was like, he wasn't happy about that. He broke many things. He made lots of threats. Um, but I just, I don't know what I, I don't know how I did it. I honestly don't know how I did it. Um, yeah. It's very brave, Kat. I don't even remember it being like a fully conscious decision. It was, it just like I had become so sort of disillusioned and separate from him, but also desperate to be back in contact with my family. And also desperate to sort of find um, some space to breathe that I just sort of had to do it. It was almost like 
I had to, I was like under the water without and just holding my breath and I needed to go up and take that breath of air. I needed that air in order to survive. Yeah. So so some somewhere in that story, Kat found her self-worth. Sort of, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I like I found it enough to leave that then only a few months later after that was when I had the next relationship, which wasn't good. So, oh, gosh. Stage yeah. two. <laughs> so, yeah. Chapter two. Let's go there now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> two years later, we, we've managed mm. to get out of this poor relationship that is definitely yeah. you're being subjected to domestic violence there's no doubt that emotional mm. abuse is huge yeah. so now we've yeah. jumped out of that but we've jumped back into something else yeah and this was um the worst thing was this was an old friend as well he was older than me so there's a there's a power imbalance there um like significantly older than me um which I turned a blind eye to then because my parents have quite an age gap. Um, now I'm probably a little, uh, I would be more cautious if I was not married and <laughs> looking for someone. Um, yeah. Um, and so he was a friend and we had an attraction and we caught up again because we, I moved into the same suburb as him. Um and it was fine, and but I hadn't found any sense in myself. I was elated. I remember being absolutely elated that I was sort of free again. Like I, I was myself. Oh yes. But I wasn't myself. It was all just, I think. Um, yeah, it's that when anybody has a sort of a breakup or a sort of a traumatic event, you sense. I, I don't know. Some people, I think, can like go either way. You can go into a deep depression, or you can just. Um, over overactive like you're hyperactive you know just like doing everything seeing everyone like making sure okay everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine that's how I was that was my response and so of course okay let's just jump straight back into a new relationship without you know my my mum I remember she thought that was crazy yeah yeah (laughs) but of course no like every like I didn't know I couldn't make a decision properly there was too much drama there I realize that now that I entered this relationship with him and again it was um it was controlling behavior um I wasn't allowed to have any male friends for example um you know because how would yeah he he just didn't like that he was allowed to have female friends though of course um of course yeah rules were different different for him but not for you Absolutely. And similar pattern um, of control again by the sounds of it, Kat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because I'd been sort of so diminished in character by that stage, I just thought that was normal. It's like, oh, you know, oh, this is, I don't know, I just went along with it. It's crazy to think about it now. But I just sort of, I had no self-worth that I just went along with it. Um, and it was financial abuse as well. Um you know he had a car and if I wanted to use the car maybe just to go to the shops once in a month I still had to pay him every fortnight oh my for gosh. the repayment of that car that is horrific is, yeah. that's disgusting 
it, it absolutely disgusting. Um, I did all the cooking. I did all the cleaning. You know, like he really put me in my my place as a woman. <laughs> mm, so to speak. Wow. Um, he expected sex so many times per week, um, but then would get upset if I wasn't enjoying it. For example, and I just fell into such a deep depression. Um, I remember, I distinctly remember once um, just like lying on the bed, wishing the bed would swallow me. And I was imagining that it would swallow me, like just whole, like it was a black hole. And there was, there were suicidal thoughts. Like it had really, it took the rest out of me. Uh, On the back of the other relationship, it just diminished me even further. Um, Yeah, he was was in... He was a very nasty little man, unfortunately. And it ended when um, he came home drunk one night and we had been planning an overseas trip. And I said, I would like a couple of weeks by myself on the trip, you know, just to travel because it's a good experience to go and travel by yourself, you know. I still wanted to do that. And he came home drunk one night and said, um, you just want to go and travel by yourself so you can go fuck other men. I was, I was like, you know what? You're drunk. I'm not going to talk to you right now because yeah, this isn't a good. Nothing's going to get. We're, we're not going to get anywhere here. Um, and so I went into the bedroom, laid down on the bed, and he pushed me off the bed, like shoved me a few times. So I fell on the floor. Um, and then I got up. I was distraught, and I did, I did sort of push him back because I'm just like, how dare you do this to me? <laughs> And he got into my face and was like, do that again and I'll fucking knock you out. This is the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how scary um, for you. Was this? Was it scary? Um, I was numb. I was numb. I wasn't afraid. I don't think. I, I wasn't feeling anything at this point. I think I just, I think you learn when it's sort of, what, this is like, what, three and a half years of sustained abuse. You learn to just like contain it into some sort of, well, you are an empty vessel. You just sort of put it aside. You put it over there and it's, it's not happening. It's, this is what it is. This is what life is. And, but I knew like that was not okay. And I'm just like, well, no, this is it. I'm done. I'm exhausted. And um, I moved out the next day. Um, Oh, Thank God, oh, like I moved in. Fabulous. So the very <sighs> next day, oh, I love you, yeah. Kat. It it took one push for you to leave. Oh, yeah, but oh. it's so hard to do it when it's emotional. It is so hard because it can just go on for so long, for so long, and that's only three years. I can't imagine women who have put up with an abuse for, you know, five, ten, twenty. Like, you know, what's I can't either, Kat, and especially when you talk about depression and suicidal Mm. thoughts, um, we're dealing not just Mm. with uh, a a shitty relationship, we're dealing with mental health issues. We're dealing with not feeling good. And as we know, depression, there's feelings of hopelessness and, and a feeling of not being able to get out of a situation and feeling fatigued, exhausted, sad, yet through that challenge you've managed to say no I'm leaving Mm. that's an incredible thing to be able to do thank you I honestly don't know where it came from I think it was because 
I knew my parents were there for me. I knew my sister was there. I knew my best friend was there. They, I, like, they never knew exactly what was going on. Um, and I don't think they even know now. So if you're listening, sorry, this is what happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is what really happened. Yeah, yeah, this is what happened. Um, and even then, it's a, it's an overview. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's. Does this yeah. feel empowering, Kat, to be able to share this? And and actually, if your family do listen oh. to this, which I, they absolutely will, does it feel empowering <laughs> to be able to get this off your chest and to be able to share, I guess, the success of your oh. story? Absolutely, absolutely, because you need to you need to be able to talk about it. I think it is incredibly hard. I have done a significant amount of therapy, trauma therapy. Um, EMDR therapy which was fantastic for me which has enabled me to be able to talk about it because if you don't talk about it things will still simmer there I will never be the same person that I was before this has altered me and yeah it's it's completely altered me and the trauma is still there like there are sometimes things where I sort of if I have an interaction with someone, I question their motivations. I'm constantly questioning people's motivations because I'm the same. But do they have my best interests? I don't know. Can I trust you? Um, Is Is that hard to go through? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting better now, but I don't think it'll ever go away. Once that's happened to you, it can't be undone. But talking about it... um, it becomes, it's certainly, the pain becomes less over time. It really does. You know, if you are sort of curious, well, I think you need to remain sort of curious as to what your triggers are because that will help you adapt to many situations and it will help you to avoid certain situations. And you need to be able to, if you were fortunate enough to have supportive people around you, that you can talk to, they might, they probably won't understand if they haven't been through something similar. My husband doesn't understand. Yeah. He can empathise, but he doesn't understand. He hasn't been through anything like this. A lot of people that have been through grief and trauma, when you're a friend or a, a partner or a loved one of that person, we do two things. We either mm. try to over-advise and try to <laughs> fix all your problems, thinking that we know better, or we stay right away from the conversation altogether. And sometimes uh, for the for the other person, I guess they don't know necessarily what the right or mm. wrong thing is to do. What would your Absolutely. advice be to people that are trying to provide support to somebody that has been through trauma? Yeah, and grief? yeah. listen, don't do the other two. <laughs> You're over-advising. Um, I get quite stubborn and I'm just like, go away (laughs) um Mm. and if you ignore me that's triggering because that's exactly what my abusers did if they ignore me that will you know that elicits a a panic response in me if I'm ignored um if I'm not listened to so all you can do is just listen to what this person has experienced you don't need to offer an um, enormous wealth of advice or anything like that you just need to listen 
I find that um, great, great feedback to be able to give to our audience because that's the one thing I think people aren't quite sure what to do is how do I respond mm. to this situation to help somebody yeah. I really care for and love? Because we all want to fix things, don't we? We always want to make another oh, person absolutely. feel better, but we don't know what that yeah. looks like. Well, that's it. And I think also people, they don't necessarily, they don't know what to say because if they haven't experienced it, I mean, what can you say? But I think often the best thing is, is like, I, I can't imagine what you have experienced, but if you need to talk, I'm here. That is the most helpful thing, I think. Um, write that down. Because you don't need to pretend. It's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't need to pretend that you understand. You don't have to. I don't want you to, actually. If you haven't experienced this, I'm so happy for you. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. But I just want to be listened to. I just want to cuddle, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's, and that's me. Um, you need to take a step back. You t need to take a few steps back to enable them to feel, you know, their power, their purpose to open up and to feel comfortable with opening up. Because if, yeah, if you're ignoring or barraging them, them with advice, you, you're really going to get nowhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I get yeah. that. But the good news is, is that you are mm. married. Yes. <laughs> you did find an amazing partner. Let's let's talk about some mm. of that good stuff. Let's talk about through adversity and challenges can come very amazing things and doors can open. Mm. Let's let's talk about some of the great <laughs> stuff that's also happened. Well, after I left the second relationship, um, I moved out by myself, which was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep, living by myself um, was fantastic. I joined Tinder, which was also fantastic because it made me realise <laughs> there are who aren't like my last two. <laughs> These are normal people. <laughs> normal people, a buffet and a selection yeah. of so many yeah. to choose from. <laughs> and you know what? Like, to be honest, it's terrible to say I did go on a lot of dates because I just needed to experience a diversity of people and have conversations with the broad spectrum of people and figure out what I wanted. <laughs> like, what do I like? What don't I like? Look at things with a more discerning eye and with no attachment and independent person. And that was fantastic. And so I met my husband through Tinder. <laughs> wow. I love yeah, the Tinder think, success stories. Yeah. I'm such yeah. a fan of the Tinder success stories because I missed that yeah. whole time. Hey, I've been married for 19 years. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, look, I mean, to be honest, there was a lot of rubbish in there. And I almost, I almost cancelled our date because I was like, you know what? I just don't know if I can go on another date where somebody just shows no interest in me. You have you have to go through a lot of nights where the men just uh, they just spoke about themselves, and I was just like, you know what? I don't, I don't really want this. Like, I wanted someone to show interest in me. And yeah, when I met absolutely. him, he, he showed interest, and I was like, ah, oh, well, this is refreshing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's actually been that amazing person who has just listened, and he's just supported me and held space. So, and he's the most patient, caring, and intelligent person I know. He's just a remarkable person. He really, really is. Um, yeah, it annoys me when he can't, you know, do some of the 
ironing or I don't know uh, vacuuming properly. I now go like ah. <laughs> we can have a whole new <laughs> episode on this one alone. Actually, we can talk about all of our husbands. <laughs> they're a niggles, of course, but they're trivial. Like we rarely ever argue because we can discuss and we can dissect sort of where we're both coming from, and then we go ah. Okay, that happened. Oh well. I think your self awareness is really inspiring to me. Your ability to mm. unpack yourself that's another buzzword, unpack, but your ability <laughs> to unpack your trauma, how you feel, your triggers, um, is really inspiring to me because it is so important for us to be able to look within ourselves as well to help ourselves and to help others around us um, help us, yeah? And I think that's a really important thing. Do you think that that comes from just being an incredible human cat or does that also come from (laughs) the work that we've done? Does that come from the work that we've done through Uh, therapy and and some of these techniques you've tried? Is there some pat on the back we we, we need to give therapy? (laughs) Absolutely. My goodness. Um, I found an amazing psychologist he yeah he was just he was the right one I needed at that time um I've seen plenty of rubbish ones it's really hard to find a good psychologist that really clicks with you um which is so stressful because you want that immediate fix you want to get started you know you don't go and see a psychologist lightly you've made that decision I think if you really want to make change and you really want to find somebody who can help you and he he really, I've seen him, I saw him for maybe five years or so. Um, and he did a lot of cognitive behavioural therapy, um, a lot of looking back um, through things um, and sort of getting in touch with the inner child, which sounds, you know, if you had have spoken to me about this and gone, oh, this is going to be the therapy, I'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. But it really helped. <laughs> um, and so I saw him for a few years and felt sort of okay enough. But it is it is a long process to unpack this trauma. Um, the other thing, so this is a bit of a story, I suppose. The other thing that helped me, which surprised me, was scuba diving. I went to Thailand wow. and I thought, oh, what am I going to do in Thailand? And then I thought, oh, well, I like the sea. I like swimming. Um, I'll try scuba diving. It changed my life. It you serious? Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it's honestly, it was something that gave me agency because I was in control of myself. Nobody else can help me underwater but myself. And oh my God, was that the most profound experience? I remember you have to silence all of those thoughts in your head in order to function and not die. <laughs> yeah, of course. That makes so and much sense. The, yeah, I remember the first time I submerged um, and I just wanted to rip the regulator out of my mouth. I was like, this is unnatural. I do not like this. <laughs> but I remember the instructor said, just trust the process. Trust me and just breathe. And so I did that. And wow. It is, you know, since then I've, I've, become a dive master, a dive instructor. Um, <laughs> oh, that's all fabulous. It is just the most, <laughs> and it, it's funny, a lot of um, war veterans and people with PTSD go diving. 
because it it, it really helps um and so long as you can swim and uh, don't have a sort of a fear of confined spaces <laughs> like you know well that's you it and don't try this at home people with it. swim the, yes. the key is that there are so many ways that we can get help um it can mm. start with a mental health care plan it can start with seeing a psychologist yes. it can mm. be scuba diving it can be talking yes. to friends i think all of the above actually sounds really great to me to be honest with you um mm. what are some of the key messages you would like to give people listening today about if you've been subjected or are going through domestic violence um what would be something that you would want to share with someone else there are um if there's someone that you can trust to talk to them um if you know that there's somebody who is receptive and um empathetic to the situation and there are resources out there there are you may have to go find you like go for a bit of a google search to find these resources and companies that you can reach out to to seek help um they are there they're probably overwhelmed to be honest because i think COVID and the pandemic has really heightened this issue of domestic violence you know people are getting like the stresses of the pandemic have really um, it really has made it difficult life-changing yeah yeah, and yeah. not all for the better. And not some things no. have been great, but when it comes to domestic violence, we've seen a huge increase. Yeah. We had yeah. more stress than ever before. People were in lockdown. There was nowhere to go. Mm. There was nowhere to exactly. run. Um, yep. We had people um, losing but, jobs yeah. and it, it's mm. tough. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, like, if you are able to get out, um, it will be a journey. I think the hardest work actually comes afterwards it is when you are trying to figure out who you are again it's so challenging and it would be so easy to slip into a hole or fall back into another abusive relationship because I've done that and I know how easy that is and it doesn't have to be that way and if you are if you do have a support network around you um that is fantastic. But ultimately, like the work that you have to do within yourself to sort of gain a semblance of self again, it's it's a long road, but you can do it. You absolutely can do it. And it there will be some very difficult times, but it does get better. It really does. And it's great to see you on the other side of this and what you have really helped me understand is that the trauma never mm. really truly goes away. There's always work no. to be done, but you're worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, my life is so much better now. It, it's been hard. It's been bloody hard. <laughs> and, you know, there are still moments that are hard, but it becomes less each year. And, you know, yeah. life, you know, they say this, it's really cliche. Life was, I guess, never meant to be easy, but it was never meant to be mm. hard either. So we have to find the balance, yeah. I think, and and get through it the mm. best way that we can. I think ultimately, what are we all looking for? We're looking for happiness in whatever shape mm. or form that takes. Yeah. Mm. And I think that that's the ultimate goal. And however way we get there, I encourage everybody to ensure that they put themselves first because this life is short and we want to live it well. And we truly want to live mm. happily. Do you have days? Yeah where 
life does swallow you up in that bed still? Oh, it's become less, definitely, um, because I know, um, because of, I've done so much bloody work, <laughs> I know when to intervene before it gets too, too overwhelming. If I have a niggle where there's something not right, I sort of allow myself to sit with it, let it simmer and go and challenge it. I challenge it and go, hang on, where's this coming from? What is this? What is my instinct telling me? I think I've learned to trust my instinct a lot more. Um, yeah. So it does get easier. You can sort of, you adapt more easily to situations. And, and the key message really is here, always reach out for support. Look for that trusted mm. person in your life, somebody yeah. with the empathy, somebody that cares. Um, and there's always somebody out there that cares. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. We, mm. I refuse to believe we live in a society full of bad people. I'm convinced oh, that the majority of our <laughs> majority of humanity is kind and caring Absolutely. and wants the best for each other. So if it's not somebody Absolutely. close to you, um, there is always somebody you can reach out to and it might even just start with a doctor. It might even just start with yep. something as simple yep. as that. Yep. Kat, thank you so much for today. I feel that we've... No. <laughs> touch so much around a topic I, and I know that people always look at uh, the conversation around domestic violence as um, just really physical abuse but I thought today mm. was a really important discussion to have that yes whilst domestic violence um, is around physical abuse it is also emotional abuse financial abuse mm. mental abuse yep. and the impact it yep. can have on a human um, if if mm. they struggle to be able to get out of a situation like that is really scary it is really scary, but mm. to see your success story and to be able to come out of this is <laughs> is really fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough, Kat. Um, so much love going out to you. It's it's so wonderful that you've been vulnerable and you've shared this. I know that you will help so many people out there that have been mm. through what you have been through and are still going through it. And we encourage mm. everyone um, to reach out and seek support because we love you. We absolutely love humanity. And that's what we're here for is to raise awareness mm. Um, and for people to find a space they can hear these conversations so we can destigmatize the mm. conversation around not feeling great and, and mental health yeah. and, and what comes with that. Kat, you're just wonderful. I love your guts. Oh. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> and um, we'll definitely talk to you again. Thanks for coming. Mm. Thank you.